Welcome to Living Word, growing a family that experiences every promise of God. You're listening to another life-changing word from Pastor Jason Anderson. For more information, visit our website at livingwordonline.com. Father God, we thank you, Lord, for this time. Ask, Lord, you'd bless it. Open up our hearts to receive your word. Your word is manna. It's daily, and Lord, it becomes part of who we are. It's practical. We can use it this week. Lord, your word is also seed planted deep in the good soil of our hearts, and it produces change in our future and grows us from the inside. Holy Spirit, be our teacher. Teach us what we need to know and prepare us for what's coming in our lives. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. Well, welcome all of you. I want to welcome those also who are watching us from abroad. Uh, Welcome Matthew and Christian and Kenzie, my children from other states right now. Miss you guys. In fact, I get to go see Matthew uh, this week during spring break. Me and my whole family go out to Pensacola. And I'll see Christian and Kenzie because they're going to fly out and hang out with us too. So that's going to be a lot of fun. But you guys didn't really need to know any of that. So let's get right into the word. Um, Today I want to talk to you about Jesus. I know, go figure. What a, what a topic at church. And the Lord really just laid on my heart to, to glorify the name of Jesus and who he is today. Spend a whole entire service just dedicated to how great is our Jesus, that, that he might be revealed to us and that he might be revealed in us. When Jesus would do impossible things on on the earth, when he came and was walking as a son of man, people would often ask the the phrase. You'd see it over and over again in the scripture. Like in Mark chapter 1, when he he delivered a man of an unclean spirit, they said, who is this? What is this this authority? That even the evil spirits would obey him, that he commands. Who is this? When Jesus would do impossible things, they would ask the question, who is this? And so today I want to look at those passages in the Bible and and as we ask the same question, because I think it's the right question. Who is this? The Colossians chapter 3 and verse 11 tells us that he is all in all. How deep is the character and power of our Christ? How wide? We may know him, but do we know him? It's all different ways and levels in which we meet him, and just knowing him can change our eternity. But knowing him as a healer can can change our health. I got a a phone call. I get phone calls all the time, and that'll say, scam likely. On my phone, it'll actually say, scam likely. Have you ever gotten one of those? Okay, so some say, like, we'll say scam, fraud protection. I don't know. Mine says scam likely. It's like, almost like it's a person. It's like, oh, it's my good friend, scam likely. I mean, and most people probably don't answer those calls, but I do. I like to, if I have time, if I'm not doing anything, I'll answer it because it's funny to me. I like to go, hello. And so the, I, get the, I got the IRS one the other day. I don't know if you've heard that one before, but it's the IRS calling, and you're in a lot of trouble, and we're going to need. So I said, oh, okay, wow, this is serious. What do you need? And he's. He said, well, I need to, first I need to verify your identity. And I said, okay, you want to know who I am? And he goes, that's right. And I go, well, I mean, really, who are any of us? <laughs> you know, do we really know who we are? Like, do you know who you are? I'm not sure I really even know who I am yet. Sir, I just need your social security number. Absolutely, absolutely. Let me, let me give that to you right away. It's 55Q. Five, five, 
He goes, I'm sorry, did you just say the letter a Q? Yeah, that's right. Sir, there are no letters in your social security number. I know there shouldn't be, right? But mine has a Q. I also have a J. <laughs> Click. <laughs> it's fun for me. But here's the reality is that, that daily you're going to get a phone call from Scam Likely, but it's the enemy calling. And he's there to tell you who you're not, what you can't do. And I all, all too often hear of, of Christians struggling with needs and can'ts and and won'ts, and, and I can't get a job, and I can't, I can't get any energy, I, I can't seem to, to get my healing, I, I can't go back to school. Pastor, I don't have what it takes to start a business. Can'ts and, and won'ts, and, and there I am around the mountain again, I don't have enough to pay my bills. I don't have enough, I don't feel loved, I'm alone. And there we are with these, these places of emptiness and these voids that Jesus came to fill, to make sure that we, that we didn't have. And, and the ability that we have is married to our identity. In other words, who I am and what I can do seem to be married. Who is this that even the winds and the waves obey? So the ability is married to the identity. And so often man is trying to figure out what can I do and who am I? And the real question is neither of those. The real question is what can Christ do and who is Christ? Because he's in me. I'm not trying to figure out who I am. I'm trying to figure out who Christ is because I was crucified in Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ that liveth in me. I already know I got plenty of, I don't need to identify more things that I can't do. What I want to do is I want to identify what Christ can do in me. And so in Matthew chapter 16, today as we discover what Christ can do and who he is, that he might be revealed to us and that he might be revealed in us. In Matthew chapter 16 and in verse 13, Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, and he asked his disciples, Who do the people say that the Son of Man I am? And they said, Well, they think you might be John the Baptist or Elijah or Jeremiah, one of the prophets. Well, that's the wrong answer, isn't it? Well, they all got it wrong. So Jesus said, Well, who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter stood up and said, You are the Christ. That's the Messiah. Now, that's big. He called him the anointed one. The Christ would be the prophesied son of God who would come and save man from the sins of the world. You are the Christ. And then he, he adds, right? Because Jesus just described himself as the son of man. But he adds, you are the son of God. Amen. You are Christ, the son of God. Jesus said, blessed are you. Right? When I identify who Christ is, now some stuff starts to get unlocked to me. So if I focus on who I am, forget it. I'm just, I'm Simon, the son of Jonah, the guy who fishes and, and doesn't even do really well at that. But if I figure out who Christ is, well, that's, that's Jesus. He's the Messiah. He's the son of the living God. When I get a revelation of different attributes and characteristics of Christ, then things get revealed in me because Jesus turns around and says, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. For this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father, which is in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter. Boom! New identity comes to him. He renames him. 
Now, that was the first time Simon realized that his name was Peter. And I didn't realize in the scripture they called him Simon Peter, but that's the first time he got renamed was Peter. And Peter was Petros, his Greek for the word rock. He says, you are Peter. And then he says what? So here's your identity. I give you your identity because you know who my identity is. Do you see that? And then he says, and upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not stand against it. And I give to you the keys to the kingdom. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. What did he do? I'm going to tell you, Peter, who you are, what your destiny is, and what your ability is. Come on, somebody. And all of that was found in just knowing who Christ is. When we get a revelation, we're asking the wrong question. What can I do? No, no, ask what Christ can do. Who is Christ? And as I delve deeper in, I find out that it matters more who Christ is in me because he's in me. He, he deposited his spirit on the inside of me. And you may know Jesus as your savior, but do you know him as your high tower? See, we know parts of him. You may know him as your salvation, but do you know him as your rock of refuge? Do you know him as your healer? Do you know him as your peace? Do you know him as your justification? Do you know him as the lamb of sacrifice? Do you know Jesus as your redeemer and your restorer? Come on, somebody. Do you know the other attributes? Because he is all in all. Sorry, I get a little excited when I talk about my Jesus. When Kelly and I started dating, I, I didn't, you know, we start dating. We didn't know each other. We met. We knew each other's names. We just, 27 years of knowing each other, and we still don't. We still haven't seen all of each other. And, and uh, I, I, I'm the kind of guy that, that, you know, on the weekend, Saturday, I go to her. I love my wife. And I said, what, what do you want me to do? She works so hard. And, and what do you want me to do around the house on a Saturday? It's the day that I have time to do stuff around the house. So what do you want me to do around the house? You know, that question used to make her so mad. And, and I, I didn't understand it because I'm like, I'm trying to help here. She like, she, but she would see all the stuff that needed to be done around the house and it would bother her, how do you not see what needs to be done? Be like, what needs to be done around the house? You're joking, right? What needs to be, how about we start with the weeds? You can start with the weeds in the backyard. How about the, the windows are filthy? How about you just pick up the, okay, okay, okay. You know, but you know, you can't teach me. So after 27 years or so, she learned that I'll still every Saturday not know what needs to be done and go ask. So she just, she finally let it go and just decided, you know what? He's never going to see what I see, so I'll just make a list. So she just makes a list. And I go to her on Saturday. I say, what needs to be done around the house? She goes, here's your list. Light bulbs. Obviously. <laughs> so, so, there's a, there's a weed growing. I have artificial turf, like grass, in my front yard, right? Because I don't like to mow and I don't like to water. So there it is. It's just a big, and it looks beautiful. It looks real, but it's, it's a big spot of fake grass. And right in the middle of our grass, I noticed this on, on, uh, earlier in this week, a weed came through, which is impossible. And that weed grew really fast. It got really big. And we, were we took a walk Saturday morning, and she was like, that's a big weed. And I know what she was getting at. She was like, you need to pull that thing, right? That's what, that's what that was. So a lot of times it's a question like, hey, we're out of milk. That's a question. Can you go to the store and get milk? That's not a comment. Just, you know, hey, I'm out of gas. That's a question. Can you go to the, go get me some gas? So, ladies, where are you at? Help me out here. Your comments are often questions. She goes, that's a big weed. That was a question. Can you pull the weed out? But I was scared to pull that weed out. And here's why. 
I believe that that weed worked too hard. To get, that was impossible. And I believe that Jesus on the inside of that weed did the impossible. I believe the other weeds around the yard were like, wow. Like, well, I don't know how you did that. But well, we've been trying for years. Good job. I don't want to pull that weed. But the other day, we were taking all, it was January, and we were taking Christmas down, and, and there was a high decoration up, and she couldn't get to it, but it would have required to bring in the big ladder inside the house and get up there and get, and I, I was walking in, and I go, oh, that still needs to come down. And so I went and got the ladder, and I, I didn't, it wasn't a list. There was no list. I just went and got the ladder and took it out, and I was getting up on the ladder, and all of a sudden I hear her go, what are you doing? And I said, well, I'm taking down this Christmas gift. She goes, why? And I said, because it needs to come down. And then she goes, who are you? I said, what are you talking about? She said, you never do things that aren't on the list. She was really happy. I had surprised her with some ability that she didn't even know I had. I want you to know that Jesus wants to surprise you with abilities that you didn't even know that he had. He wants to be more to you today. Today is the day for your miracle. The breakthrough that you've been waiting for, the thing you've been wondering, you're not sure how you're gonna get it, stretch out your hands towards heaven right now and receive the miracle from your Savior as he wants to surprise you today with abilities you didn't even know. Things he could do in your life you weren't even sure of. Come on and give him some glory right now with your lips. Jesus is Lord over your life and he's about to surprise you. He's about to surprise you with abilities you didn't even know he had. He's going to be revealed to you and in you in Jesus' name. Come on and give him some praise. Well, there's power on that. Thank you, Lord. Jesus, be lifted up in this place. You know, when we see Jesus do something, it's normal for us, for us to kind of say, well, if he can do it, then maybe I could do it. And Jesus had sent his disciples on a boat off ahead of himself, and he went and prayed in the wilderness, and the fourth watch of the night, they were still rowing against the wind. They were weary and, and tired. And, and Jesus went walking to them on the water. Well, when they saw him in a distance, they did not recognize him. They didn't know who he was. See, they knew him as a healer and someone who could cast out devils. And they knew him as some of the things that they'd seen him do. But they'd never seen him walk on water before. He was revealing something about himself they didn't know. And when they saw it, they said, who is that? We think it's a ghost. Well, Jesus said, it is I, do not be afraid. Peter said, if it's you, call me out to you. When we see Jesus doing something miraculous, there's something stirs up on the inside of you that says, well, maybe I could do that. And if we can get a, a knowledge, a revelation that Jesus isn't just a healer or a deliverer, but he's also a water walker. He's also the, the one who calls us out of the boat when we're weary. You know, it's easier to walk on water than to row against the wind. Well, the walking part especially. I was in, in New York City at Central Park with my wife. We had rented a boat in the little pond there, and we were rowing against the wind. And it was funny because the wind was blowing. I was trying to get the boat back in time, and I'm rowing really hard, just poof, making all this splash. Go, go, poof, poof, poof. 
But the wind was blowing so hard that people were just watching me as they walked past me. Right? And Jesus, our way maker, when we get weary, we're in the boat, we're not sure we can do it. We say, I can't. I can't. You know what Jesus does? He's like, look up here. Stop looking at your weakness. Stop looking at the waves. Stop looking at the wind. Stop looking at the weariness. Stop looking at the discouragement. Will you just lift up your eyes and look? Because your redeemer, your savior, your miracle worker is standing there. And when you see him, he goes like this. Come on. If you get out, it'll be easier. And then you jump out of the boat and even, see, this is what we do sometimes. We think, well, Jesus, you can do it, but I'm not sure I can do it. Eleven stayed in the boat. Only one thought, hey, maybe I can do that. But we, we got to not be, even be afraid to fail. You know, Peter wasn't afraid to fail. He got out of the boat, and even though it didn't work, he'd still trust, and Jesus still rescued him and pulled him up. We can't be, we can't be afraid to fail on things. We trust Jesus. You know, maybe you prayed, you believed God, and it didn't happen right away. It's okay. Keep believing God. It's still coming. It's still on the way. Jesus is your miracle worker. Don't let go of who he is. Maybe the first time you tried to walk on water, you tried to start that business, it didn't go the way that you thought. And Jesus barely pulled you out of the waves and you barely made it out alive. But don't give up on your miracle water walker because he's going to call you out of the boat again. Don't let it be a discouragement to you. You remember that he saved you when you cried out. He'll save you every single time. What he's asking you to do is be a person who steps out on faith and keeps taking risks. Be a water walker because your Jesus is a water walker. And you might fall once, you might fall twice, you might fall three times. He'll pick you up every time, but keep going. Come on, somebody. I love older, convertible Beamers. God knows this about me. He knows there's certain things I love. I love Andy's Custard. I love, I love cars. And I've really focused in on older, convertible BMWs. You can buy these very, very, what was very, a very expensive car at one time for really inexpensive. And you find one that somebody's taken care of and it's got low miles on it. They're wonderful. In the fall and the spring, I put the top down, driving in some, this maybe 15, 16 year old. I maybe paid $5,000 for it, but it looks beautiful. It drives so nice. The hair, my wind, fast. Get out of the car. People go, ooh, Beamer, must be nice, Pastor. I'm like, your car's worth four of these. But praise God, you think it's beautiful. Well, the other day, I was, I was in the market for a convertible, older BMW. I found one that was 16 years old, but this was the nicest one I'd ever seen. And even the nicest model. Now, you may not know the Beamer's numbers, but the higher the number, the more elite the car is. And this is a 645 CI electric blue, 400 horsepower twin turbo. It may be 16 years old, but it looks brand new. Oh, it's beautiful. I got it for $6,500, but it looks like a Ferrari. It's unbelievable. Everybody wants to race me, and I beat them all. Zero to 60 in five seconds. Lord Jesus, if I raced. Oh, it's wonderful. Well, I was driving it the other day, and all the bells and whistles and lights started going on. I was like, go to the mechanic, fuel error, emissions error, exhaust error, all these errors. I was like, what's going on with my car? It's in the kingdom of God. It's not supposed to break. Lord Jesus, heal my car. And the Lord showed me that I had put the wrong kind of gas in it. I had put cheap gas in it. And see, this is, this is not just a regular whatever car. This is a 
BMW 645CI. You can't just put the cheap gas from down the street in it. That's what I found out. It was, it was, it was, it was like it was talking to me. It was like, oh, excuse me. How dare you put that cheap gas in me? I'm sorry, I don't drink hobo gas. I went and put the right gas in at the end of the next tank and all the lights went off, everything went back to normal. I don't wanna say what kind of gas I got because I wanna protect AM, PM, you know. But it was a cheaper gas company and I want you to know that you are a finely tuned machine as a believer. You are a highly engineered and powerful piece of equipment that God has made. And you have to be careful what you're putting on the inside of you. You need the highest octane possible. And when you let the knowledge of who Christ is in you, that's the right kind of gas. See, Paul said, I consider everything loss compared to the excellence of the knowledge of Christ. When I, knowing him was more important than anything, he said, yea, that I might know Jesus and the power of his resurrection. He said in second, uh, I'm sorry, first Corinthians chapter two and verse two, he said, I resolved while I was with you to know nothing except for Christ and him crucified. And look what Paul accomplished on the earth. As he was trying to figure out who he was, and he was a mess, and he was off course, his name was Saul, he didn't have his new identity yet. Jesus hit him on the road to Damascus and said, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And Saul said this, who are you? And Jesus said, I am Jesus, the one you're persecuting. It was when he got a revelation of knowing Christ and he got addicted to knowing who Christ was. I want to know everything about this Jesus because I have realized and come to know that knowing Christ is knowing the strength that he has placed in me because greater is he that is within me than he that's in the world. If I want to be an overcomer, I don't need to find out my weakness. See, a guy said this to me once. He was like, successful people need to take their time and identify their weaknesses. I was like, well, that sounds nice. That sounds like wise and persuasive words, doesn't it? But that is not biblical. I don't want to know my weaknesses. I want to be filled up with Christ's strengths. I don't want to look at what I can't do. I want to look at what he can do. I, and what can he do? Oh, come on now. He is all in all. What can he do? He can fill every void. He can flood every soul. He could mend every heart. He can delete every regret. He breaks every chain. He forgives every sin. He redeems every past, oh Lord Jesus. He restores every loss. He forgives every sin. He defends every attack. He defeats every foe. He moves every mountain. He heals every disease. He's the Lamb of God and He's the Lion of Judah. He's your starting line and He is your finishing line. He is the love of God. He is the word of God. He is the gift of God. And he is the son of God. And he stands boldly at the altar today with both arms open wide. And he says, come to me, all who thirst. Come to me, all who are weary, and I will give you rest. Who is this man, Jesus?
give him praise right now. Let us sing hallelujah to the Lord. He deserves our praise and our glory. The Lord said, unless I be glorified and be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. Come on. Praise, hallelujah. Glory to you, Jesus. Those error messages that we get, the error messages coming up on our on our window, they're identifying to us our can'ts, our won'ts. They're telling us we've been drinking the wrong fuel, the wrong octane, not enough. You come to Living Word Bible Church. Come on, somebody. You're going to get yourself some high octane. In Luke chapter 8, Jesus got on a boat, said, let's go to the other side. And as they were on their way, a great storm blew up. The storm was so bad, the boat was about to sink, and Jesus was sleeping in the bow of the boat. And they went and got him and woke him up, and Jesus, we're perishing, they said. We're dying. Don't you even care? And Jesus got up. And the Bible says he rebuked the winds and the waves. He said, peace, be still. And the storm went, right? He created all this. Of course he can calm it down. The storm was like, whoa, <laughs> you, you made Jesus mad. <laughs> and it settled down. And the disciples said this, who is this? that even the winds and the waters obey him. What was he doing? He was showing us, I'm your peace in the storm. And sometimes we're in a storm. And, and the funny thing is, is baby Jesus told you to go that way. The Holy Spirit was like, yeah, I'm leading you to this job. I'm, I'm asking you to do this thing. And, and so off you go. You go on the journey that the Lord's taking you on. And and then, boom, it all blows up. Why would God send me into a storm? Why is this all happening to me? Where's God now? He left me. I can't get through this. I'm going to die. That's what the disciples did. And we do the same thing sometimes. And the problem is we forgot who the deepest part of us really is. We simply forgot that sleeping in our boat is Jesus. And maybe he's sleeping. We need to wake him up. In other words, we need to get our sights off the waves. We need our sights off the storm, sights off the drama, sights off all the problems. We stop asking everyone else around us for what, what am I going to do? Because the disciples are looking at each other like, what do we do? And the other disciples are like, I don't know, we're going to die. And the other disciples, they got 12 disciples going, we're all going to die. You're asking the wrong people, yo. Go wake up the right guy. And you know where he is? He's in you. The deepest part of you is Jesus. And, and, and it says in Ephesians chapter 2 that he himself is our peace. He's our peace in the storm. It's not that there won't be storms. It's that you got an answer for the storm. Do you know Jesus as your peace? And you just bring him out. You say, Lord Jesus, I'm in a storm right now. But thank you, Jesus, that you are my peace. And so now, Jesus, use my mouth and rebuke that storm. And then you declare to that thing, in the name of Jesus, peace, be still. And let that settle in your heart. And now you go about your business, knowing that God is taking care of that storm. He's not, Jesus has now been authorized to calm that situation down in your life. In Matthew chapter 22, Jesus is talking to the Pharisees. He starts talking about King David. And Jesus says to the Pharisees, he says, who do you think the Messiah is going to be? Of course, Jesus is the Messiah. So he's asking the right question here. And they said, well, he's the son of David. And then Jesus says, well, if he's the son of David, 
then how does David sing in the Psalms this phrase, the Lord said to my Lord? If the Lord Jesus, if the Lord Messiah is David's son, why would he refer to him as Lord? Now we know Jesus is the son of David and was called the son of David, but Jesus was showing us something here. He was saying this, he was saying a thousand years before right now, a thousand years ago, there was a guy named David and he knew who I was and he didn't even see me. He wasn't standing right here before you. Like you Pharisees, you don't even recognize what's right in front of you. I literally am the Messiah. And there was a guy a thousand years ago before I was even here who already knew me. Yeah, that's right. Jesus was saying, yeah, me and David, we was tight. He knew me. No, David, he grew up in a home that rejected him. His father didn't really value him. Left him out in the field when it was time to be anointed king. Didn't even think he was worthy to call in. David kind of lived rejected from his family. And, and that, that's tough because all of us are built to get our value, our identity, our ability from our fathers. I don't know what they say about us. Do they love us? Do they accept us? What do they think we can do? Kind of built that way. Science agrees, psychology agrees, the Bible agrees. But David was like, I can't get my identity and my abilities and my value from my father. So where am I gonna get it from? There might be people here today. It's been tough for you to get your identity, your value, your love from your father. But there is another way to gain these things. Your ability, your identity, your value. It's in knowing who Christ is. And so David set his heart to knowing Christ. Before Christ was even here, he had a revelation of who Jesus is. I went through the Psalms this week and I wrote down every place where David identified in a psalm who Christ was. He has 50 different unique identifiers of who Christ was, more than any other Bible hero in the Bible. He knew Christ better than all of them. He didn't, he didn't even see him. Dug in. And look at what David did with his life. He's mentioned 897 times in the Bible, David is. Second only to Jesus. Jesus is the only one that gets more mentions than David in the Bible. He beats Abraham, he beats Moses. He beats Moses by 97 mentions. He beats Abraham by like 500 mentions. I don't know if that's a contest in, the, in, in heaven or not, or David's like, oh, I got you, Abraham, sorry. He's in 28 books of the Bible, David is. Moses is in 30, so Moses is like, well, I got you on books, man. Watch this. David writes in Psalm chapter two, he's my Lord. In Psalm chapter three, he's my glory and the lifter of my head. In Psalm chapter five, is my king. And 14, the salvation of Israel. And 16, the portion of my inheritance, my cup, the holy one. In 18, my strength, my fortress, my deliverer, my shield, my stronghold, and the rock of my salvation. In 19, the bridegroom, my redeemer. In 23, the Lord is my shepherd. In 24, king of glory and Lord of hosts. 27, my light. 31, my rock of refuge. 32, my hiding place. 35, my vindication. 40, my help. 42, my countenance. 43, my exceeding joy. 45, mighty one. 46, my ever-present help in time of need. 47, most high king of all the earth. 48, my God, my defense, my shelter, my strong tower. It goes on and on. He had a revelation of who Christ was. And look what happens in his life. In Luke chapter 7, there was a woman who was forgiven her sins. She was wiping 
her, her tears off of Jesus' feet with her hair and anointing his feet with oil. And Jesus turns to her and says, woman, your sins are forgiven you. And they asked him the question, who is this that even forgives sins? Did you know that Jesus is a forgiver? Might be people here today, you came in here with some huge weight, some unforgivable sin you've been carrying around for years. Can you just leave it here today? Because God doesn't remember it anymore. So many people identify and think Jesus was the condemner, was the guilt person, the person who gave you shame. Jesus is none of those things. He's the forgiver and he's the redeemer. He paid it with his own blood. He made sure that God would never remember your sins again. Can you leave it here today by knowing this, that Jesus is my forgiver? Can I get an amen? When you know Jesus, he's revealed it to you. He has the power to now be revealed in you. And he was there from the beginning. Adam and Eve knew him as the seed that would crush the head of the serpent. Abel knew him as his sacrifice. Noah knew him as the rainbow, the promise of a new covenant. Abraham knew Jesus. He is Melchizedek, the king of righteousness and the king of peace, who we met on the way back from the defeat of the four kings. But he was also the ram in the thicket to Abraham. The replacement sacrifice for his son as God was announcing on Mount Moriah. Abraham, you don't sacrifice your only son for me, but I'm going to give my only son for you. To Isaac, he was the well at Rehoboth. To Jacob, he was the rocket at Bethel. And to Joseph, he was the dream giver. To Joseph, he was, or, or to uh, Moses, he was the budded rod of Aaron. He was the rock that water came out of. He was the lamb of our sacrifice. He was the daily manna that fell to, from the heavens. For Joshua, he was the word. To Ehud, he's a sword. To Gideon, he was the bread that rolled through the camp of Midian. And to Samson, he's Lehi's river. To Samuel, who is this guy? To Samuel, he's the Ark of the Covenant. To David, he was the rock of my salvation, my ever-present help in time of need. To Solomon, he is wisdom. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. He's in, he's in all these places for all these heroes. To Ezra, he's the builder. To Nehemiah, the restorer. To Esther, my mediator. To Ruth, my kinsman redeemer. And to Job, he's the ransom paid that a man might never get what he deserves. <laughs> to Isaiah, he's Emmanuel, God with us. To Jeremiah, the righteous branches. To Ezekiel, the man with four faces. And to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, he was the fourth man in the blazes. To Daniel, he was the rock who would establish his kingdom forever. Come on, hallelujah, is Jesus wonderful? And it's not about who he is to them, it's who he is to you. But to Hosea, he's the faithful provider. To Joel, the baptizer of fire. To Amos, he was our burden bearer. And to Obadiah, the mighty savior. To Jonah, he was rescued from the pit. To Micah, the messenger with beautiful feet. To Nahum, he is our avenger. To Habakkuk, the resurrected anointed one. To Zephaniah, the taker of my punishment. To Haggai, he's the latter glory, which would be greater than the former glory. Who is he to you? Hallelujah! To Zechariah, the builder of our house, to, to Malachi, he sits as a refiner's fire and a launderer's soap. 
to Matthew, he's the Messiah, to Mark, the miraculous, to Luke, the son of man, to John, he was the son of God, to Paul, he is my righteousness and the firstborn of the spirit, to James, our chief physician, but to Peter, ah, to Peter, to Peter, he's my power, he's my destiny, to Peter, I walked with him, he was my friend and my companion, we hung out together, He restored me after I denied him. He redeemed me after I went fishing and I was supposed to be building his church. And Peter said this, he said of his Messiah, he is the incorruptible seed of God. He's your incorruptible seed. Come on, somebody, amen. Glory to you, Jesus. Glory in this place. Oh, I just sense it. Thank you, Lord. So let this be our mission. Let us walk out here today with the desire, the challenge. Oh, Jesus, that you might be revealed to me. And oh, Jesus, that you might be revealed to in me. And as you do this, I declare over you today, purpose and identity is being revealed to you. Your abilities being made clear to you of Christ's strengths working in you. Your strength is Christ's power. Your purpose is Christ's purpose through you. All of him is in all of you. And you are becoming all that God has created you to be in Jesus' name. And if you receive it, shout out, I believe it. Well, thanks so much for tuning in today. And don't forget about our daily Bible study. You can just go to YouTube and type in daily Bible study and find us. Doing morning scripture, we pray every day. But right now we want to say a prayer with you. Uh, if there's anyone that's watching this that's never received Jesus and you're not sure what eternity looks like for you if you were to face eternity, you can have that secured right now because the good news is God gave His one and only Son as a free gift for your salvation. You just put your faith in Him. So repeat this prayer after me. Dear Father God, I ask you to forgive me of my sin. And Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you're the Son of God who died for sin and rose from the dead. Be my Lord and baptize me in your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. If you said that prayer, find a church, find something close, and get in church. Be there every single week. We need to be under a new message, and we need to be around some new people. God bless you.